You're listening to the Hillspring Church audio podcast. Hillspring exists so that all people can find and embrace a life of faith through Christ. For more information or to get involved, visit us on the web at hillspringchurch.org. I've mentioned before, uh, a while back in a previous uh, talk, that I like to purge our home of things that pile up. Anyone else that would consider yourself purgers? Okay. Now, how many of you purgers are also collectors, which is why you need to be purgers? All right. You know, do you ever watch a show where the people on the show just seem so organized and everything is in place? You don't watch shows, by the way. They just make you realize how bad your life is, but that's what social media and everything does to us, but you, know, but you see how organized they are, and you long for the freedom that you would have if you could just remove the clutter from your life, and typically, it's true. I do like to purge. There are times when I look around the home, and if I get out of control, I could just pack up everything and get rid of it, uh, even things that we shouldn't get rid of, but as much as I say that I want to purge, and I'm usually pretty good at it, sometimes it's not that easy, is it? Do you know what I'm saying? You know, you go to the basement and you grab a box that hasn't been opened in years and you're like, why do we have this? Let's get rid of it because then we have some fresh space in our home. But then what do you do? You open the box and you see what's inside and it's like little booties from when your kids are young and photos of the family when you were younger. Actually, no, I can get rid of all that. No, just kidding. Uh You know, there's things there that you have this emotional attachment to, and it's really hard to get rid of those things. You find an old yearbook, right, or a baseball glove or a jersey from, you know, your glory days, whatever it might be. But on top of that, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, um, not only do I have obsessions at times, but they're because I have a lot of interests, right? And so it could be from woodworking to just tools in the garage for working on the car and all sorts of things like that. But on top of that, upstairs I have a room that has guitars and recording equipment because I'm a musician and I like that kind of thing. And then in the basement, there's a room with sports and exercise equipment, right? So you have all of these interests and those things take up room in your home. And so as much as on one hand, you know the freedom you would have if you got rid of a lot of things, you're so attached to the very things that are causing you, you know, this clutter that you find yourself in a predicament, don't you? And on one hand, you want things, but you're not willing to let go of the things that you need to let go of in order to have something that may actually even be better. And I've been thinking lately about how much we can be like this when it comes to following Jesus. That, that as much as we say we want to follow Jesus, and as much as we have this picture of the life that he's shown us, and we're like, wow, I want that. That is something that's beautiful. I believe that that's a good thing. There are often a number of things in our lives that we just don't want to get rid of, that we just don't want to let go of. The impact, though, is much greater than you might imagine. And so this morning, I want to look at a passage that actually provides a sobering dose of truth when it comes to following Jesus. And so to look at it, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to invite you to turn there while we stand together. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to speak to us uh, this morning. And if you don't have a Bible or you don't have it on your phone, don't worry, we're going to put it on the screen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we can gather together and, and hear from you and that we can encourage one another and be 
and just celebrate being together, God. There's such a beautiful sense of your presence when we come together in community uh, with the intention of just loving one another, God. It is a beautiful thing, and it's a gift that you've given us through your son, and so we thank you. God, we also gather because we want to hear from you. We trust you as a loving father. And so as we open your word, uh, God, we ask that you would speak to us, and we humbly ask you to, to show us areas of our lives that may need to change if we're to embrace the life that you have provided for us through your son. And so speak to us this morning, we pray, and lead us in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. So this first patch is that I want to look at with you this morning. It picks up uh, from a place that is referred to last week. You know who is this? Oh, you guys didn't listen when Brad spoke the other week? That's his nickname. Go up to him after and say, hey, Iz. You don't remember? Yeah. Israd. Israd is the full version. Well, the first patch is I want to look at you picks up from a place that Brad referred to last week which is an exchange that Jesus had with one of his disciples named Peter. Uh, and if you recall, you know, one of the things that Peter got right was Jesus' true identity. When, when Jesus asked, asked Peter who he believed Jesus to be, Peter correctly acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. And Peter knew that this was the king who had come to establish and rule over the kingdom of God. Peter knew this. He was right about who Jesus was. Jesus had come to establish a kingdom and call all people to follow him into it where they would receive eternal life. But while Peter correctly understood that Jesus was the savior of the world, it quickly became clear that he misunderstood the nature of Jesus' kingdom. Because when Jesus revealed that he would soon suffer and die at the hands of the religious leaders, Peter refused to accept what Jesus was saying. See, Peter mistakenly saw Jesus' kingdom as a path to power. And in his human nature, which is wired to, to protect oneself, which is wired to look out for one's own interests, filtered the way that he saw this kingdom that Jesus was leading them into. But Jesus rebuked Peter for having this self-interested response to his prediction of his death. And then Jesus said what we're about to read, revealing the truth about following him. And so he said in Matthew 16, 24, he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. He said, whoever wants to follow him, anyone at all that acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God and Savior of the world, anyone who wants to follow Jesus into his kingdom, a kingdom of people living under the provision and guidance of God himself, must what? Strive for continual advancement in the world? Must seek greatness in the world? must amass great wealth so they can lord it over others, must seek to fulfill all of their dreams and ambitions. Now Jesus said that anyone who wants to follow him must deny themselves. And to deny means to disown, it's to refuse to acknowledge or maintain any connection with, or to abandon, it's to cast off, to have nothing to do 
with anymore. Self. To cast off oneself. To abandon oneself. To have nothing to do anymore with one's self. Not only did Jesus say that anyone who wants to follow him must deny self, but they must pick up their cross. Luke records Jesus saying that people must pick up their cross daily. Again, the idea is that you would actively and willingly, on a regular basis, put to death all self-interest. And anyone who follows Jesus must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow him. And when Jesus said, and follow me, the word translated follow, here, follow me here actually is a word that means accompany me. It really captures this idea of following Jesus, that it's not just following what Jesus is telling you what to do, but you're actually following him as accompanying him where he is going. And that's exactly where he went not long after. He literally picked up his own cross and carried it to his death. Jesus gave up himself for the world, establishing a kingdom of love. And if this is how Jesus established his kingdom, how could we think that following him would lead us anywhere else? See, when you follow Jesus, life is no longer about you. While trying to hold on to everything that we want at the same time, you know, we can't follow Jesus and do that and hold on to the things that we that we love so much. It doesn't work that way. You can't have everything you want and follow Jesus because when you follow Jesus, life is no longer about you. This is absolutely terrifying, isn't it? Listen to what Jesus says next in verse 25. He says in Matthew 16, 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Anyone who tries to hold on to their self, their their own interests, their ambitions, their ego, all of the things that we strive for in our attempts to attain a sense of self in this life, anyone who tries to save their lives will lose it, Jesus says. And to lose here means to destroy, to, to kill, to ruin, or to bring to an end. So Jesus is warning us here. That the very things that we desperately hold on to in order to have what we think is a good life actually eliminate our ability to truly live. The very things that we think will give us life are the very things that, that rob us from experiencing it. And if you claim to follow Jesus and you, yet you feel completely dead, if you're someone here that would say, I follow Jesus, but I just feel dead, I feel like I'm walking around that I'm not living, then and this is the reason. Now, are you putting every ounce of your life into trying to build something for yourself? However, Jesus says, he goes on, he says, whoever loses their life for him will find it. And Jesus is literally saying that whoever tries to save themselves will die, but whoever dies to self will discover or find or obtain self themselves. And this is so counterintuitive to our world, isn't it? Our world teaches us, you know what? We ingrain it in our kids. We ingrain it. It's ingrained in us, in our, in our society, that look out for yourself first and foremost. Build a life for yourself. Protect yourself. But Jesus is telling us that in order to follow him, we must accompany him in dying to self. 
But he's explaining why here. He's explaining why because he's saying that it's the only way that you'll live. We need to understand that Jesus is saying these things. He always says these things out of love. He's explaining that if you try to, to find life in the way that the rest of the world finds life, you are going to miss out on life. And so in his love, he's showing you another way that in laying down your life, you will truly live. He goes on to say, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. It's really interesting what Jesus is saying. He's saying, what good is it if someone gains, or uh, it's actually a word that means wins. You know, what, what, what good is it if someone wins the entire universe? The word is cosmos, meaning the material world or the material universe. He's like, what good is it if you gain everything in the material universe or the world system as opposed to God? What good is it to win everything? and yet forfeit or lose their soul, which the word is psyche, which means yourself, including your heart and your, your mind. It's the immaterial. What good is it to, in, to win the entire material world only to lose yourself in the process? Again, Jesus says, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Is there anything that you will gain in this world that you can use to buy your life? To buy life? It's a rhetorical question, of course. The answer is no, there's nothing that you can gain that will enable you to buy life. And although Jesus is certainly making an eschatological statement here, meaning a statement that is referring to or speaks to our final destiny, we err if we think that this law of the universe only applies to death and judgment. See, the kingdom that God wants to lead us into begins here and now and continues into eternity. God is wanting to give us life now, in this moment. He's not just telling us a way to live to earn our way into heaven. He's saying, no, this is the way to truly live, and you're deceived if you think that there's any other way to have life. If you follow the way that the world teaches you to have life, you're deceived and you're, you're living an existence in this world where you're robbed of truly living. You understand? He loves you and he's like, you know what? Don't waste your life by trying to build something for yourself with things that won't give you life at all. It's how we respond to Jesus now that determines our final destiny as well. And Jesus concludes, he says, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. And so Jesus will return, and he'll pay back people according to what they've done. If they hold back their life, then life will be held, withheld from them. If they give their lives, life will be given to them. And this is exactly what God did for Christ on the cross. Jesus gave up his life, and God raised him from the dead. See, the truth about following Jesus is this, that you can't follow Jesus into a selfless kingdom unless you give up yourself. Right? If it's a selfless kingdom, if Jesus led the way of a selfless kingdom, you can't follow him into a selfless kingdom without letting go of yourself. So we can't misunderstand what following Jesus is all about. And the greatest obstacles to following Jesus, it may not be a lack of, of desire, it may not be a lack of acknowledgement of who Jesus is, but rather a lack of willingness to let go of what is holding us back. You might say, well, what do you mean? Well, 
We can't experience joy of generosity if we're not willing to stop spending everything we have on ourselves. Okay, let's get practical here, right? Jesus is saying, you know what, if you want to have joy, then uh, I've created you to be generous in the same way that I've been generous. And you can't have that joy if you keep everything for yourself, right? It's just not possible. And so while he's shown us a way that actually will fill us up, if we don't believe it and we're not willing to let go of something else that we want even more, then we'll never experience the joy of generosity. We can't experience the joy of serving if we hold on to every moment of life for ourselves. We're like, you know, Noah, you know what? I, I, I want to use that time for myself. Even in church, we can be that way. No judgment here. <laughs> but we can be like, you know, I just, when I come to church, I just want to sit and I want that to be for me. I want to learn. I want to grow. And, and God's like, no, no, there are, I've created you to serve. And so you can come and sit in church every week. And yes, there's a purpose for that. But if you're only doing it and you're only looking out for yourself, then you're missing out on the fact that actually we've created the body of Christ to have times where you are fed and there are times where you're actually serving others. Because in serving, you are actually being blessed. You're gaining a deeper understanding of God's love for you as you show love to others and you serve them as well. We can never know what it means to be part of a community that's devoted to one another if, if we abandon our community every time there's something better that comes along. If we're not devoted, you won't know what it's like to be a part of a community that is devoted to one another. God's like, you need to know that. You need to understand what it's like to be in those types of relationships. We can never take hold of our identity in Christ if we won't let go of our need to be validated by others. Social media plays into this all the time, right? We can get so caught up in our our identity and being validated. He's like, you know what? If you're going to understand who you are in my sight, and you're going to understand how I see you, then you're going to need to let go of something else that you value so much. Time after time, in order to follow Jesus into his kingdom, you have to deny something that you love. Because the path into his kingdom is through the cross, which he went to first as our king. So as people who live in the material world, you might be feeling right now a bit like the rich young ruler. If you're not familiar with the rich young ruler, this was a man who had it all and came to Jesus to ask him how he could attain life. And after a brief exchange, Jesus said in Matthew 19, 21, he said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. So this was someone who had so much you know, the harder, it's harder to give up things the more you have. It's just the way it is. He says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Matthew records that when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, do you get the picture, than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's impossible. And so when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, and they asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, well, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. See, when we, when we come to understand what's required to follow Jesus, we actually may feel sad. We may feel burdened by just 
the cost of letting go of things that we have valued for so many years in order to follow him into his kingdom. The truth is that we often don't have what it takes to let go of what is required to follow Jesus into his kingdom. And in our own strength, it's impossible to follow Jesus. But we aren't without hope. Because while we don't have what it takes, Jesus reminds us that with God, all things are possible. And when we come to Christ with the desire to know him, when we acknowledge, them, acknowledge that he is, in fact, the truth revealed to us, we have a desire to follow him. God places his spirit in us and as we submit to his spirit and as we wake up every day on a daily basis saying, God, I give my life to you. Show me how to live. And if we're willing to listen to his voice, he helps us begin to see the value of his kingdom. We come to know how great the value of his kingdom and, and the value of everything else in our world begins to feel more and more senseless. I believe we become more like the parable of the person who found a treasure in a field, right? The kingdom was like a treasure in a field that when they found it, they realized how valuable it was that they went and they sold everything and they bought the entire field. And I think that it's the Holy Spirit's work in us that helps us to see the kingdom in that way. It's a spirit in us that gives us new desires for things that give us life and we begin to lose our appetite for things that have no true value. We can't follow Jesus into a selfless kingdom without letting go of ourselves. This morning, I do challenge you. I want to ask you, you know, what are you holding on to? What is it that, what is the one thing, it's not going to be one thing, but what is something that is a big area where you're like, you know what? I value that. It could be your career advancement. It could be a, a financial goal that you have. You're like, I value that. I have a hard time giving that stuff up. Use my resources for someone else, for good. I don't know what it is. But what's holding you back from the life that Jesus is calling you to? One of the challenges here as well, you, what, what are you teaching your kids about life? In the GTA, and we're all guilty of this, we teach our kids to, to chase their dreams and their ambitions, and we, we invest so much time in helping them become the best at everything they can be. We fill up their schedules, try, striving, you know, teaching them to strive to become great in every area that we can. And I wonder at times if we're simply just teaching our kids to try and build a life for themselves without teaching them the way that life is actually built. And what would it look like if we... we spent as much time showing our kids how to serve others, love others, and be generous with others. And if we put them in places where they did that more than building a life for themselves, I wonder how much more of a life they would have in their future. Because the truth is you can't do both. You can't gain the whole world and follow Jesus into his kingdom. So this morning, I want to ask Christine to come. She's going to lead us in a song. It's about letting go. She taught it to us last week. It says, Jesus, have it all. And I think it's the first verse. It says, Jesus, have my heart, my will, my soul. Jesus, have my hopes, my dreams, my world. With joy, I lay it down. With joy, I cast my crown. Jesus, have it all. 
And, and as we sing it, I want to leave you with a prayer of surrender. And the prayer is this, simply, God, show me what to let go of and grant me the faith to let go of the things that I don't want to. You know, it's recognizing that there's a, there's a, somehow in following Jesus, there's an element of we need to be faithful and obedient to help him, you know, have him show us areas that we need to let go of and we need to do our best to let go of those things. But it's also a prayer that recognizes our attachment to things and, and it's acknowledging saying, God, through your spirit, grant me the faith or the strength to let go of the things that I don't want to.